You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Here's JT Miller, short-handed breakaway. Miller, in alone, shoots, he missed the net as he fired it from the top of the circle. What? What are you thinking? And the Vancouver Canucks drop their fourth game in a row. Would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Ken. Four or five guys with no-shows here at four or five games, and they got to pick it up. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning. Welcome to Halford and Bruff here. Yes, it is Friday, and Ask Us Anything Friday. Uh, with a gift card to AJ's Pizza on the line, as always. So you can start getting your Ask Us Anythings in already. I'm Jamie Dodd. Final day, I assume, filling in for Mike Halford here. He should be back on Monday. Prof, what's going on? Uh, good morning. Uh, you discussed four losses on this uh-huh. show. No wins. Yeah, it's that negative yeah. energy I bring. Yeah. Um, I screwed it all up. So uh, hopefully Halford is ready to roll. The turning point of the season when on Jamie filled in on the morning show for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Brought it all crashing down. Halford went out with a lower body injury. Halford is this show's Dakota Joshua. Let's not <laughs> underrate what Riccio did as well. By yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good Bad. point. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah. The depth was tested and it uh, it did not work out. Um, We've had four or five no-shows, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to do this in order today. A-Dog. How are you? I'm what? Oh, no. (laughs) He threw me off. Roof. (laughs) I I am good. I looked right in A-Dog's eyes and saw pure panic there. Yeah, I just, like, someone just threw me off a cliff there. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Good. Good recovery. Laddie, how are you? Hello, hello. I am well. All right. Thank you. Glad to hear that. For once, somebody asked. Okay, we don't need the attitude next time. Just keep it to a simple, fine thanks, all right? Uh, Halvard and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, 1170 Powell Street. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sorfie, what are you waiting for? Kintech! A big show coming up today at 6.30. Joe Haggerty from the Boston Sports Journal. He covers the Boston Bruins, of course. They're in town tomorrow uh, for the 4 o'clock start game on Saturday, so we'll talk Bruins with Joe Haggerty. Uh, AJ, the titular AJ from AJ's Pizza, stops by the show at 7. At 7.30, Ben Nicholson-Smith to chat a little Blue Jays. Grapefruit League season opener tomorrow for the Blue Jays on TV. So, yeah, baseball season is here. So we'll have a quick chat with Ben uh, about the outlook for Don't the Jays. Don't worry, it'll be quick. Don't <laughs> worry, it'll be quick. Okay. We're doing a, a solid 35 minutes on spring training minutia with uh, with Ben Nichols. We're talking Bo yeah. hair. Yeah. Really, yeah. really selling it to the listeners, bro, when you have to apologize ahead of the guest announcement. No, it's just like I know people want to be talking it's about okay. the Canucks this morning. It, it's a it's palate cleanser. Right. It's a yeah, palate yeah, Everyone yeah, calm yeah. down. Yeah. 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 There are other sports. Uh, and then Rick Dollywall joins us. So we, if, if you want to hear people yell about the Canucks, don't worry. We'll have you covered at 8 o'clock. Rick Dollywall uh, from Donnie and Dolly. And then, of course, 
It is, as I mentioned, an Ask Us Anything Friday. So there's a, a, a gift card to AJ's Pizza up for grabs that we'll award to the best Ask Us Anything. Text in 650-650. We'll read some throughout the course of the show. We'll announce the winner at 8.30. And we're still doing what we learned as well. No prize on the line for what we learned, but uh, texts in your submissions anyways. 650-650. Hashtag WWL. What you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Before we do any of that, let's talk about what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. As you mentioned, another loss that I solely am responsible for, mm-hmm. uh, for the Canucks, for us to break down today, bro. Uh, yeah, they lost in Seattle 5-2, to two, I believe was the final score. I think we all knew that it was not going to end well at a certain point even at the end of the second period. Yeah. Like, the Canucks did, did not have much. They had another period, but they didn't do anything with it. And the Kraken got an empty netter. The Canucks got off to a decent enough start after JT Miller opened the scoring against a stickless Philip Grubauer. He'd lost his stick in the mesh behind the net. All of a sudden, didn't have a stick, and the Canucks were did a pretty good job of finding, finally, an opportunity uh, to actually put a puck on net. It was a rarity to put a puck on net uh, yesterday for the Canucks on Philip Grubauer. That was less than five minutes into the game. I thought at the time that Dave Haxtall, the head coach of the Kraken, might have done the Canucks a favor by giving the nod to Grubauer, who did not look sharp early on and, frankly, didn't look sharp for much of the game. Yep. But again, you got to test the guy. Uh, it was the Canucks who looked the shakiest as the game wore on, uh, especially the special teams. Vince, da- Vince Dunn tied the game later in the first after a Canucks penalty had just expired, so it was kind of like they were still on the PK. And it was Zadorov with the weak clearance attempt, which Mikheyev tried to knock down in Pedersen's direction, but the puck started bouncing everywhere. The ice did not look good in Seattle last night, but still, neither did the, neither did the uh, Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the puck eventually turned over a few seconds later. Vince Dunn one-timed it from the point and beat Thatcher Demko. Then Seattle turned up the pressure big time on the Canucks, and Nils Hoaglander got called for a penalty with three seconds left in the first, meaning the Canucks would start the second with a big PK, which was kind of reminiscent of heading into the third period against the Minnesota Wild. Remember when I made the Mm -hmm. comparison to like this game and the Wild game, and I was like, man, there's kind of similarities there. Uh, The Canucks failed miserably to kill that penalty after Ian Cole's clearance attempt went straight up the middle to Jared McCann, who we all know has a great shot. He wired it past Demko just 21 seconds into the period. So already into the game, it was 20 minutes and 21 seconds, two failed clearances on the PK, two goals for Seattle. Not good. Meanwhile, the Canucks power play was struggling equally badly in their opportunities. Um, And yet at the same time, Vancouver caught a break when Suter's rather innocent-looking shot off the rush took a double deflection off a Kraken player and then Sam Lafferty's arm and passed Grubauer. So the game was tied in the second period, but it did not feel like the Canucks deserved to be tied. They looked tired. They looked jittery. 
Like, you know that feeling where you haven't slept well, so you drink too mm-hmm. much coffee to try and make up for it, and then you're like, still tired. So like every but, day? But now I just feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. You're somehow tired and wired at the same time. Yeah. And it's yeah, not, not kind of like yeah. kind of seeing through time. Yeah. 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 That was the Canucks last night. Their details weren't good. Uh, and credit to the Kraken who brought the energy and the structure in a big game for them. Seattle deservedly broke the tie later in the second with two quick goals by Justin Schultz and Jordan Eberle. Uh, the Canucks were running around on both goals. Uh, it was Seattle's fourth goal that was the worst one, though. Uh, they were also caught puck watching on that one as Eberle was able to bang home his own rebound. Uh, not to pick on the guy because there were a lot of guilty players last night on the Canucks. And- <laughs> Uh, we'll hear. We'll, we'll hear, hear about, about it that. from Rick Dockett. Uh, Zadorov, who was uh, not a good night defensively for Zadorov, who was on the ice for three goals against at even strength. Uh, nor was it a good night for Ilya Mikheyev, who was not on the ice much at all in the third period and might be headed toward a healthy scratching. If the Canucks weren't already missing Dakota Joshua, frankly, he might be headed there anyway. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing much to his game right now, and he barely played in the third. Uh, I think he got 30 seconds, one shift, and that was early on in the period. Listen, I imagine his torn ACL is a factor, even a good excuse for him personally, but that doesn't change the fact that he's not a very effective player right now. That doesn't like, like it, that doesn't help the Canucks that, you know, this could be expected. Uh, something's got to improve there or something's got to change. I also wonder uh, if Mark Friedman might get back into the lineup soon instead of Noah Juleson because Juleson – uh, you know, as much as I was picking on Zadorov, Juleson has been out there for a lot of goals against yep. you, and he just looks like he's not dialed in right now. But first and foremost, let's be honest, let's not pick around the edges here. The Canucks' best players need to figure out the power play because last night it was completely bereft of any semblance of puck movement, uh, confidence, um, they tried Hronik out there. That experiment failed miserably. He only added to, I think, their problems moving the puck around and moving it quickly and creating those shooting lanes that you need in order to actually get the puck on net. Like, I know everyone says, just, just shoot, shoot it. it. And, and like, the Canucks tried that a few times. Guess where they went? Into shin pads. Like they didn't even make it to the net to, uh, yeah. to get blocked by the traffic in front of the net. They just went into shin pads. And when you're not creating shooting lanes, teams are so good now, especially Seattle. Seattle's like, at, collectively, we always say, like, who are their star players? But collectively, as a team, they play pretty well defensively. And when they get half decent goaltending, that's why they can be a successful team. And that's why they had the team last season that, you know, won a round in the playoffs and made the playoffs and won a round in the playoffs. Collectively, they can be pretty good defensively when they're on their games, and they were last night. They played really well, and the Canucks just they they you know that dynamic power play that we saw earlier in the season is just it's not gone. there. But Rick Tockett had a real issue with many parts of their game last night, and I think what you're going to hear in this scrum, well, is a lot. But it's mostly about like, hey guys, at the end of the day, hockey is a pretty simple game. You got to want the puck. And if you're not doing the things from a, both a technique 
and also like a will uh, perspective if you're not doing things that, hey, I'm tired and this might hurt to make this play, but I still got to make the play because that's hockey and that's how you win. If you're not doing that on Rick Tockett's team, he's not going to like it. And guess what? He's absolutely right. You know, the same lessons that Rick Tockett was preaching last night get get taught at every level of hockey from, you know, six and seven-year-olds all the way up to the NHL. You got to want the puck and you got to be willing to pay the price even if you're tired. Here is Rick Tockett, and we're going to just play pretty much the entire scrum with maybe some of the questions cut it's out. It's just a highlight package. Highlight package, but he said. yeah, here's Rick Tockett, not happy after last night's game in Seattle. I don't know if the anxiety caught up to some of the guys, you know, the motions last week, but whew, that was bad tonight. That was bad. Soft. It was a, you know, you hate to call your team soft, but it was soft tonight. You know, we didn't uh, didn't participate on the wall battles. We didn't get a rim out. You know, that we knew we they're, you know, this is a good team. We didn't play predictable. We started regrouping, like old habits, came, you know, old habits came. We were just talking the coach stuff, man. I wish I had about 10 practices. I really do. And because uh, it shows tonight that we got a lot of work to do. Um, this is not last from, night. I think that's from last season. This is from last season in Seattle. <laughs> now, Look at the file. That is hilarious. Yep, you can you're right. Now, you a lot of it you applies. You could have lit. Oh my God! That, this that could have been last so night. I'm so glad you made this mistake. Yeah. This is amazing, Laddie. Came we did, in. I swear we didn't plan. This. Laddie came in and said, "Don't worry, someone cut up all the well, audio." There is another from one. The it's, game in yeah. Seattle, <laughs> and like you remember the game that that yeah. was that was. Oh my god! I see it now. There's two. There's two clips. Had to calm him down on the street. Hold on. There's two clips back to back. So they made a highlight. So they must have pulled it up to be like compare and contrast. But there is a highlight pack of last night as well. If you want to hear that one, let's do a little more relevant to today's conversation. Yeah, I don't have really much. You know, me. I sometimes have a lot to say. I don't have much to say. A lot of not much compete from the guys. That's on me. I got to take the blame for that. I didn't get the guys to compete hard enough, so so I'll I'll take the heat on this one. We just it was a lot of no shows tonight. Listen, I know that we we call this going to be a tough stretch, but you can't give in to fatigue. You can't. You got to play smarter. Um, you know, you just got to do you got to do things smarter. Just play smart and compete. So that actually knows. They came up with loose pucks. We didn't. I mean, you guys saw it. I mean, there's nothing. You know, analyze it. There's nothing really to say. Our clears were awful tonight. We had three times to get the puck down. We didn't get it down. So, you know, like I said, you know, four game losing streak, and it's like every keeps saying a good thing adversity, but. You know, we got to start to pick it up here. And we guys got to understand that when the puck comes on our rim, we have a technique to do it, and you have to have the BALS to, to, to get the puck out. You can't just go in soft, and you can't ice pucks on a rim. That was very funny. Did he Laddie, spell Laddie, I think you intentionally did that. Did he spell out balls? Yes, he did. He did. He's allowed to say that. You know? So, um, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, you can still sit there and say, look, I, I refuse to panic about this recent stretch. It was inevitable. They go through something like this. Uh, and their schedule after the All-Star break has been very tough. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, people are, is this the adversity you wanted, bruv? I'm like, kind of. But also, like, part it, of, it could stop now, though. That's no, fine. but part We've of the enough. reason we said, you know, 
I wouldn't mind some adversity is because we looked at the schedule after the All-Star break and went, this is going to be tough. Not only are the Canucks going to play a lot of games, they're going to play a lot of games on the road, and they're going to play a lot of games against some quality teams. Now, you can say that Seattle's not a good team, but I think they're still fine. They're, they're, they're okay. They can be good. And they're desperate, just like the Minnesota Wild. We're a desperate team. These guys are on the outside looking in, and they still want to make the playoffs. Um, I think the thing that you can be worried about, if you want to be worried and even veer into panic, is for the first time all season, the Canucks are failing the resiliency test. And that's one of the things we said about this team, that they've been resilient all season. It's one of the reasons, you know, they hadn't lost three straight. Mm -hmm. Now they've lost four straight. The power play, as I mentioned, looks completely bereft. I like that word, of confidence. Uh, defensively, they're losing their composure way too often. They're taking too many wasteful penalties. Um, and you do have to wonder a bit about their depth after injuries to Susie and Joshua have apparently made such a negative impact. So even if I'm not panicking, per se, I'm not blindly faithful that they're going to pull out of this and get rolling into the playoffs I think if we're all honest with ourselves, given how the season has gone, and it's been like wildly unpredictable how well the Canucks played and how many things were going right for them and how much fun we were all having as Canucks fans, I don't think any of us know for sure how this is all going to play out. Yeah, and I think now we've officially ticked into adversity territory. Now, somebody texted in yesterday on the show, I believe, it's only adversity once you overcome it, otherwise it's just losing. And that's where they are right now. They're just losing. And maybe we'll be able to look back and say, wow, they really pulled themselves out of that. They righted the ship. They got back to doing what they were doing. You hope so. But last night's game felt different because if they had won last night and turned into convincing effort, you look at it. Okay. Okay. They lost three games in a row. They actually played pretty well. Five on five. Two of them were against really good teams. What are you going to do? It didn't get the bounces. It, you didn't get the bounces. It happens. Last night was just a straight-up bad performance. And, mm -hmm. yeah, they were tired, and, yeah, the schedules worked against them. But part of being a really good team, part of being a Stanley Cup contender, is finding ways not to let the bottom fall out of your game yeah. knowing when how you're to in play those tired. circumstances. Knowing, yeah. knowing how to play tired. And there was a moment last night where they score to tie it up 2-2 against the run of play, and then shortly after that they get a power play. That's where you want to see them bear down. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, we've been given a lifeline in this game. We can take control of this game. We got to make the most of this opportunity. That's what really good teams do. That's what was absent last night. The fact that they turned in that type of performance, and then you hear it from Rick Tockett and how angry and upset Rick Tockett is about the performance of his team right now, that's what puts it so squarely in the category of this isn't like fake adversity, right? This isn't like we're turning a three-game losing streak into, you know, we're making a mountain out of a molehill because it's been such a dream season and we need to find something to complain about. When you hear Tockett like that after a game, I think it's fair to be deeply concerned about where the, where the team's game is and what we're going to see going forward here. Yeah. I mean, he said a lot of things that, you know, didn't get played in that kind of compilation of things. Mm -hmm. um, he said it's disturbing some of the efforts we're seeing from guys. Distur the, we use the word disturbing. And I think maybe even he's um, like perplexed by it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, it's easy to pick on Mikheyev. It's easy to pick on Zadorov. 
Um, and for a lot of you, <laughs> it seems to be quite fun to pick on Elias Pettersson. Um, but Petey, he, he had a couple moments last night. He made a nice play at the blue line, sent Hoaglander in alone. Um, but we're just, it's, just, it's just not consistent enough. We're not seeing that consistently enough. And um, I'm not saying Pedersen looks checked out or anything like that, but I'm not not saying that. <laughs> On the other hand, oh, there. Is, you're, you're pulling but, a pocket but, where he's but, like, but, I don't want to call a team soft, but yeah. that yeah, might have just, been a soft performance. He just doesn't look all that interested. I don't know. There's something... Something odd going on there. Uh, Noah from Langley Texan. We know that their ceiling is high, but it's worrying that if their basement is that low. And I think that's another thing that plays into it is going back to last year. Like what Talkett was brought in to correct was this inability to stop things from getting out of control once they start going a little bad. And that was the most concerning thing about me. Uh, or, or most concerning thing about me, most concerning thing for me about last night, right, is, hey, they had a good start, then Seattle just generated a little bit of momentum, and there was no check whatsoever on it. Yeah. There's no point where the Canucks got back in, even for a five-minute stretch, and really dominated the puck. Despite getting the lifeline of that fluky goal, they couldn't use that to say, okay, hey, let's reset, let's get back into this. Mm-hmm. The bottom just kept falling out. If that happens to your season, that's the concern, right, that it won't just be a thing that happens in one game that it could happen to the season, and then you're in real trouble. So uh, the Boston Bruins are in town on Saturday, and we'll talk to Joe Haggerty, uh, Vancouver's favorite son, coming up in about 10 minutes just about the bees. They've been through Alberta. Uh, they lost to Edmonton in overtime. They lost to Calgary in overtime. So other than that 4 nothing win over Vancouver that we all remember, like things have not been going super great for mm-hmm. the Boston Bruins. So in a way, it's an opportunity for the Canucks uh, to get a good, important result. Because the the same thing that that's happening to the Canucks right now might kind of be happening to the, the Boston Bruins. Like They might have overachieved early in the season, and now they're going through some adversity themselves. Um, I think we all really did wonder, like, is this Bruins team, like, how long is this going to last without Bergeron and Krejci and with the the lack of, frankly, elite talent that they've got down the middle, despite the fact that they still have elite talent on the wings and on the back end and the goalies are really good. You know, it is still very important to have elite centers. So we'll talk to Joe about that. Maybe it's nothing has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the centers. Um but I know that uh, the Bruins are not playing as well as they want to. I found it interesting. What Talkett was asked yesterday that you know about getting a practice in for the Bruins game before the Bruins game, and he said, "Ah, well, we play the Bruins at four, mm. and on Saturday, you know, he said I'd love to have a week of practice. I'd love to have it. Well, on the Canucks PR X account this morning, I saw." The Canucks will practice today out at UBC. Um, practice 12.30, followed by media availability out at UBC. If you want to go watch it, I think I think those are open to the public. I'm not 100% sure, though. Um, you know, they're just, they need, they need to have they practice, need to practice, right? Yeah. And, and talk, it really didn't want to hear about them being tired. I don't think it's going to be like a bag skate practice. In fact, I'm 100% sure it won't be. A, it's not a punishment practice. This will be a details practice. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure the power play is going to get some work because the power play went through about four different iterations <laughs> last night alone. Like, Horonic started on the power play. I, I, I and think then there, he was there was a off for the first like, three power plays. There was three different looks sent out over the boards yeah. to start it. Like, you yeah. can tell talk it was just shuffling through ideas mm-hmm. to try to get any spark going there. Yeah. It might just be like a power play only, a special teams practice mm. only. Um, so we'll see also how they line up if they, if they do line rushes, um, listen, it's going to be, I know everyone's down on the Canucks right now, but it's gonna be a great sports weekend in Vancouver. The rugby sevens are in town. Uh, the Bruins are in town. Uh, I know some of you will probably be doing the double on Saturday. You go to the rugby in the morning, uh, and then you go to the Canucks game at four o'clock. That'd be a pretty fun day. Um, but right now the main concern is the Vancouver Canucks who will play the Boston Bruins 4 p.m. on Saturday. So let's get a quick preview of the Bruins and see what they're going through themselves. Uh, Joe Haggerty is going to join us next. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Errors and omissions time. Uh, the Bruins actually beat the Oilers. Oh. But they haven't won in regulation since um, they beat the Canucks. 4 nothing. Since then, the Bruins have lost to the Capitals. They lost to the Kraken. Uh, they lost a couple times in overtime uh, to L.A. and Calgary. Their only wins have been in Dallas or at home to Dallas. They beat them in a shootout. And, of course... My mistake. They did beat the Oilers 6-5 in overtime, but they blew a big lead in that one, right? Did I at yes, least get that did. right? They blew a three-goal lead. Yeah. They blew a three-goal lead. Uh, okay. What accountability from you, Bruff, getting that wrong in the last segment? Our well, listener, it's like our ta- listeners it was, were all over it. It was like, it's like Tockett. Like, Tockett put a lot of it on himself last night. He's yeah. like, that's on me. I got to be better. I, I guess I don't have these guys ready to compete. Um, I don't think he meant it when he said that, but I did mean it when I said that because it is indisputable. There's, there's I, I definitely a like a, a parenting thing, you know what I mean? Where it's like, well, I guess I've just, I've done something wrong and that's why you won't clean your room. Yeah. Can you imagine if <laughs> they're like, I don't actually mean that. It's your fault. He's giving like the guilty mom talk or he's like, I guess I'm just not doing a good enough job for you guys <laughs> or you don't love me enough to try hard. Exactly. Uh, all right. Halvard and Bruff brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal, North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. 1170 Powell Street. Also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. And right now, to talk more about the Boston Bruins, we go to the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline, uh, where we are joined by Joe Haggerty, who covers the Bruins for the Boston Sports Journal. Joe, thanks for doing this. How are you? Uh, my pleasure, as always. I'm doing great. How are you boys doing today? Uh, you know, the sky is falling here in uh, in Canuckland, so we're dealing with that after a fourth <laughs> straight loss. Uh, first time this season that they've lost even three in a row and now make it four. And, you know, Bruff was just reading out since that big 4 nothing win, which was, you know, hey, first and second place in the NHL uh, at the time going at each other in Boston. It's been a bit of a rocky road for the Bruins since then. 
Is this just, hey, a bit of a funk that every team goes through, or is there something more concerning happening with the Bruins game right now? No, I mean, I think a lot of it is, and you're seeing this across the league. Um, the Stars have lost four in a row. The Canucks have lost four in a row. Um, I think it's the time of year, especially with the teams that are pretty high up in the standings and have essentially clinched a playoff spot and know that they're going to be in. Uh, I think this is the time of the year when you start to see sort of wild swings where you lose a bunch in a row, you win a few in a row, you grind out some overtime shootout wins to get some points, you get to overtime, you know, to get a loser point here and there. But I I think for the teams that are uh, up high and know that they're already going to be into the postseason, it's pretty well locked at this point. I think it's becoming difficult for them to nightly be able to match the intensity that the really hungry teams are throwing at them, the teams that need to get into the playoff structure, the teams that even, you know, as you uh, alluded to before I came on, the Bruins lost to a bunch of teams that are out of the playoff race right now uh, during that homestand they had, the seven-game homestand. And it's, you know, for those teams, it's about players that are playing for jobs next year. So the, essentially there's a lot of hunger on some of these other teams uh, that, that, and this is what I've seen with the Bruins that uh, they've seen since the All-Star break, where they were not ready to match it, coming back from the beach after the All-Star break, and I think they're just starting to get there now and, and raise that level. So I'm not concerned, and, and by the same token, I think it is actually a good thing for them. They did not have any of this adversity last year. They did not have any of these stretches where they lost a bunch of games in a row or really pushed hard or you know, had to sort of question each other in the locker room or, you know, have hard conversations, stuff like that during the regular season. None of that stuff happened last year for them during the regular season. It all started happening to them in the first round of the playoffs against the Florida Panthers. So uh, I think it's a good thing, actually, that all this is going on right now. Obviously, there's a little concern because they're getting some uh, injuries on the back end right now with their defensemen, so their depth is getting tested. But overall, I, I, I don't see anything that has anybody raising alarm bells um, based on what we've seen the last few weeks. Yeah, a couple things from those comments, Hags. The Canucks have played a couple of teams just on the outside looking in that we know aren't terrible teams in Minnesota and Seattle, um, but they were playing desperate hockey against the Vancouver Canucks, and the Canucks weren't playing desperate hockey because, frankly, they're yep. not really in a desperate situation as far as the playoffs are concerned. Um, the other part I really actually did want to expand on a little bit with you um, because this has been the thing that a lot of people in Vancouver, including some of the players I've noticed, have been hanging their hat on. It's that look at Boston last season. They didn't have any adversity, and then they went to the playoffs, and it looked like they weren't going to have much adversity again, and then all of a sudden, oh, they, they're up 3-1 on the Panthers, right? And then, yep. then it's like, uh-oh, 3-2, uh-oh, 3-3. And then even going into Game 7, I felt like there were still like people that were like, ah, don't worry, they'll win, they'll win Game 7. And then they lost, and they were like, wait a minute, is our season over? Like This seems crazy. Um, have you heard things from that team um, that said, like, we needed to go through adver more adversity during the regular season because we didn't know how to deal with it once we got to the playoffs? Yeah, and I think that was definitely uh, acknowledged after the playoffs were over uh, as to, you know, part of the reason why things went wrong. And, like, even though they had a lead in that series, um, Florida really took them by surprise early on. And you could see the Florida forecheck was really, like, giving them major issues. And they were doing things 
in that series, um, you know, defensemen forwards, surely the goaltender, Linus Allmark, they were doing things in that series you had not seen them do pretty much all regular season. Uh, so they had them out of sorts from very early on in that series, and it was very clear that adversity was hitting them, and they weren't always responding to it very well, and, and that got you know progressively worse as the series was going on. Um, but I think that's something they realized afterwards is, you know, it, frankly, they didn't have any hunger down the stretch or any need to play with any hunger or intensity down the stretch last year because uh, they weren't pushed. And, and I think it, it was like getting a huge slap in the face once the playoffs started uh, by a team that had to fight tooth and nail to get in as the, the last wild card uh, that they just weren't ready for. And I, I think that's a huge concern for any team's like the Bruins, like the Canucks, any teams that wire-to-wire leaders uh, in their division or, you know, one of the top teams in the the league that's going for the President's Trophy, when you're in that position pretty much all year, you don't have the same kind of urgency that you do um, once the playoffs hit and it's, you know, four losses and you're done, you know, and it starts becoming do-or-die time. Uh, You're just not ready for it. Unless I think you go through, through some of this stuff during the regular season where you really have to, have gut checks, have guys having, like I said, tough conversations with each other, you know, really having honest, open conversations where everything's going out there and, and they're, everybody's on the same page. I think that stuff has to happen during the regular season to get it sorted out, you know, so it's not a shock to the system once you get to the playoffs. Because if you've, if you've felt any of that and then all of a sudden the playoffs hit and you're starting, the boat is getting rocked for the first time, I don't care who you are, you're not going to respond very well. And I think that's why the first round, becomes such an adventure every year because it's those two forces kind of meeting, especially in those one versus eight series. Hags, are the Bruins going to do anything ahead of the trade deadline? Uh, I think they will. I don't think they're going to have the ability to do anything major just because of their salary cap situation, because they don't have any first or second round picks. Um, I think they're going to be loath to trade a lot of their top prospects. Like Mason Lowry has played excellent the last two games and I'm sure if they were trade for, you know, a, a, trying to get a Noah Hannafin type, uh, that's the kind of player that uh, Calgary's going to ask for. And I think it would be a hard, uh, hard thing for them to give up uh, players like that, especially where the last few years the Bruins have gone all in uh, a lot and traded a lot of their future assets and kind of mortgaged their future quite a bit. You can't keep going to that well every single year. I, you know, the East is wide open. The Bruins have obviously played well. They're in a really good playoff position. They probably need – a top four defenseman, uh, preferably somebody that plays with a little bite. Certainly, I think they could use a bottom six forward that has size and heaviness and physicality. Um, those things aren't going to break your bank uh, necessarily, uh, but that, those are ads that they need to get a little heavier, a little more physical uh, for the playoff battles ahead. Uh, so I think they're going to do something. I just don't think they're major players based on you know everything that you look at. And that they'll be major players in the summertime, though, once the salary cap opens up for them. They're going to have like $20 million in cap space, and they'll be able to do some things then, but I just don't see it right now. Are the Panthers the favorites to win the division, and then that would probably set up Bruins versus Leafs in the first round? And follow-up question, would that still have the cachet of a few years ago? Yeah, I mean, they're neck and neck right now, so I think it's anybody's division. And honestly, the, the Rangers have made a push uh, nine in a row. Um, so they're up in the Eastern Conference now, too. Um, but as far as the Atlantic division goes, it could go to either one. But I still firmly believe that the road uh, to the, the Stanley Cup final in the East goes through Fort Lauderdale, goes through Sunrise, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think you're going to have to beat the Panthers to get there. I still think they're the best team um, when they get healthy. The way they play in the playoffs is definite playoff-style hockey. 
they have Bobrovsky, which is a big, you know, equalizer as well between the pipes. So uh, I think that's the team the Bruins are going to have to meet and, and uh, beat. And frankly, it has not been a good matchup for them. That's why I mentioned they need more heaviness, more physicality. They need guys that are going to be playoff warrior types, especially on the back end, because they're going to need that in order to, to edge out the Florida Panthers. Uh, a lot of the conversation coming in to the, the season, Joe, is about uh, the center ice position for the Bruins, of course, with the departure of Bergeron and Krejci. Major, major questions. And for a while there, it was like, wow, they're not missing a beat without those guys. What's the current feeling about the, the center ice position on the Bruins? I mean, I, I think they're still, you know, in, in an ideal world, I think they would love to have somebody else that had the cachet of a, a Bergeron type come in. Certainly, I think they could use another guy that can win faceoffs uh, at the center position, whether that's a fourth line center type or, or a, you know, more of a top six sort of front line center type. Um, but, you know, Charlie Coyle scored two goals last night in that overtime loss, had all supplied all the offense for the Bruins. He has 20 goals on the season. That's the most goals he's ever scored for the Bruins. That's he's one away from score uh, matching his career high uh, goal output in the NHL. He's going to put up Patrice Bergeron esque num- offensive numbers when it's all said and done this year, playing with Brad Marchand in in sort of the Bergeron role. Uh, he plays in all situations. He plays plays big minutes. He's a good two way center. Like he's bringing a lot of the stuff to the table that Bergeron did, even if he's not the exact same player and he's not as good certainly in the face-off circle as Bergeron was. Um, but I, I think that's gone a long way to ease some of the center problems that they had and ease the need for, you know, where Bruins fans were banging on the table. They needed Elias Lindholm in the summertime. Uh, I think it's worked out where they're not as desperate for that center uh, as they once were. Um, I think they need other positions and other things uh, to, to fill needs on this roster going into the playoffs. But I do think, you know, once they get to the summertime, when they get more salary cap space, I think that's something they're going to have to look long and hard at as well. Uh, if Zaka and Coyle are, are going to be able to do the job for them as, as the top two guys going into next season. Joe, appreciate the time, man. Uh, hopefully it's a more competitive game tomorrow at Rogers Arena than it was in Boston when these two teams meet. Thanks for doing this. You got it. Anytime. I hope so, too. It's always fun when we get uh, Vancouver Canucks and Boston Bruins at full throttle. Are Let's you? see that happen. Hags, are you on the road? I am not. Oh, I'm okay. home in Boston. Okay. Uh, staying up very late watching these games, way past my bedtime these days. Enjoy, buddy. Miss you. <laughs> you too. Take care, guys. That uh, is Joe Haggerty from the Boston Sports Journal joining us here on uh, Sportsnet 650. Yeah, what a bust that one in Boston was. There's so much hype. Like, oh, remember mm. 2011? That was great but actually not so great and yeah then I was like, ah, actually this reminds me too much of 2011 yeah this now is that I'm watching exactly it. like this 2011 exactly what happened uh let's get back to what happened last night in seattle for the canucks um did you expect rick tockett to come out as hot as he was after the game maybe not quite that hot but i was certainly expecting some sharp commentary from Rick mm-hmm. Talk, but there's a, there's a line he crosses sometimes, and I don't mean that in a bad sense, where you can tell he tips over to, I think he just takes it so personally when, it, when his team doesn't perform up to his standards, right? Yeah. And there are some times where, you know, he couches it in some pretty typical coach speak and like, hey, we got to get back to our details, you know, oh, we'll work on it, don't worry, it's a process. But then there are times when the performance becomes so extreme that he can't hold back. 
And I think that was it's happened last, a few times in it's Seattle. A few times in Seattle. I think it happened in Philly at the beginning of the mm. year, right? We've seen it here or there. Now I'll also say, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because that might have been one of their worst performances of the year last night. Like you might have to go back to that Philly game to find mm-hmm. a similarly bad performance. So I guess in that sense, I'm not surprised that talking had some pretty harsh words for them. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that bugged him the most was any sense that the Canucks have played a tough schedule. They're tired. Meanwhile, Seattle was rested and they were at home and like, he just, he didn't want to hear it. Nope. You know, just like he kind of didn't want to hear at the beginning of the season is there's a lot of pressure on us. Like we have to have a good start. Like he didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's the reality you've got to deal with. And once you get to the playoffs, guess what? It's going to be hard. So why don't we pre- prepare ourselves now for things to be hard? And I think one of the things that has impressed all of us this season for you know 95% of the season is the Canucks have been a resilient team. Yeah, they've had the odd bad game, but they haven't let it linger. Mm-hmm. And they play tired, and they've found ways to win. Whether that's being much better defensively, whether that's getting a really good goaltending performance from Thatcher Demko, whether that's um, the big pl- the big players on the team uh, coming through on the power play, or even just like a counterattack and showing that you know sometimes if you give the Canucks, who have elite finishers on their team or used to at least, uh, if you give them one opportunity, they're going to take advantage of it and they're going to find a way to win. They haven't done that, yeah, at least lately, and there have been and there were last night. Numerous power plays where they could have just like one goal would have been massive for them. And it was the same at the end of the Colorado game where, you know, they played fine against Colorado. They have a big power play down the stretch. Petey draws that penalty and, you know, they have an opportunity to tie that game and the power play just comes up super, super empty. Now, I think it's okay to just be like, you know, if you're going to call out the top six, that's the same as calling out the power play because that is the power play. Uh And right now I'm watching this power play, and I know everyone has their theories. Just get the puck on net. Shorty was saying that a lot during the game, and I understand that. If you can open those shooting lanes, fire it. Look at some of the goals that the Kraken scored last night. They were from distance. They put the puck on the net. And they found their way in. Some of them were rebounds. Some of them just straight in or took a bounce or there was traffic in front of that. Demko didn't see it. Whatever. Uh, but the Canucks only ended up putting 21 shots on net. And I, and I don't think it was for a lack of intent. I think they wanted to put the puck on the net. Mm-hmm. But when you're not moving your feet, when you're not passing it crisply around and you're not you're not – passing it quickly, those lanes aren't going to open up. And you can sit there and say, we'll shoot the puck. Well, that's what they did a few times, and it went directly into shin pads, right? And then the other thing that Talkett had a real problem was with, hey, sometimes that happens, and you're going to shoot the puck, and it's going to get blocked, or it's going to get saved, and it's going to bounce somewhere, and you better go get that puck. And a lot of a, 
a lot of a power play is puck retrieval. And that was one of the things he was really frustrated with. And when he's talking about the lack of work rate on the power play, there's no question who he's questioning. Like, it's not like, is he talking about Mikheyev there? Nope. Nope, he isn't. I'm sure he's not happy with Mikheyev right now either, but his main concern has to be his top players, and that is definitely including a guy like Elias Pettersson, who, again, last night, it was one of those body language games to me. He just didn't look all that interested. He didn't look, whether it's a confidence thing he's going through along with his teammates or individually, listen, I'm not putting it all on him, but this is a guy that wants to be the highest paid player on the team. And with what he could get, the highest paid player by a considerable margin. Yep. And a few people texted in and said, Bruff, you made an interesting point in that you said he had a couple of decent moments. Like the move he made at the blue line and sent Hoaglander in, that was a really nice move. That was really creative. But the good players do that all game. You know, they're relentless in their puck pursuit. They're relentless in their effort. And we have not seen that relentlessness from effort. And I don't care what you say to me in the text inbox. Like, that is not what we're seeing from PD right now. I don't care how many points he has. The Canucks need him. They need him to lead on the ice. He doesn't have to lead off the ice. He can do whatever he wants off the ice. He can, he can not talk in the dressing room. He can sh- show up and, you know, whatever. Doesn't matter. He can sit there and look at his phone all day in the dressing room. He needs to lead on the ice right now. That's where they need him, along with the other guys like Quinn Hughes and JT Miller. They need him the whole game, in all situations. If you want to be paid like that, this is the responsibility you get, especially in a hockey city like Vancouver. It's especially glaring on the power play right now. And it look, it's not just PD, but PD has the talent and the ability to dominate a power play. Right, we we've all seen that, and the confidence just isn't there right now. And I wonder, from a team level perspective, so the idea of all right, just shoot the puck. Hey, we're gonna put Philip Peronik out there. Let's keep it simple. Let's dumb it down, boys. Let's just get out there and get some shots on net. You're trying to rebuild your confidence, but then you go out there and that doesn't work either. And you and you fail at the thing that's supposed to be the easy option, that's supposed to be the dumb it down option. Like that's just got to undercut your confidence even more. And that's what it looks like now is just a total lack of confidence, especially on the power play. But I wonder how much that's feeding into the other parts of the game as well for those top players, right? The fact that they're not having any success or anything even close to success consistently on the power play. And look, with Pedersen, I still have a lot of faith in the player, but this has not been a strong stretch for him. Like, I don't think there's any way around that. And again, I think it's it's most noticeable on the power play because that should be the situation where his skill set, his skill set has the biggest chance to shine, right? Mm-hmm. Get on the puck, do something creative, do something really talented with it. Even people who are furious at Pedersen aren't going to dispute that he has that creativity sure. and that skill. We're just not seeing it whatsoever. And I don't know, once you're in that kind of confidence hole, I don't know how you climb out of it. It's, it just feels like they need some bounces to go their way 
before they're going to start to get things turned around uh, with the man advantage. Um, We do have uh, a bit of an open segment on the other side. We'll talk to our friend AJ from AJ's Pizza first, find out what's going on in the shop this weekend. Um, But then we can dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Let's all calm down a little bit. Uh, Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. 650-650 is the number. And don't forget, it's Ask Us Anything Friday, so we can still have a little bit of fun despite the four-game losing streak by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, We're giving away a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza, so be sure to include the pizza emoji with your Ask Us Anything if you want to be entered into that contest for the $100, um, you can ask us, ask, you can ask us anything. It can be about the Canucks. That's why it's called it's pretty straightforward. Ask us you anything can ask us Friday. Anything? Anything? It, anything. it can be about the Canucks. Uh, it can be about um, other teams in the NHL, the other Penguins. sports. The Pittsburgh Penguins, if you want to get into that. There's some guy that's oddly <laughs> concerned about our criticism of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Very upset by this. And somehow found a soul. specific team. I don't yeah, know why. Like, I don't, it's leave really the weird. Penguins alone. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We'll leave the Penguins alone. I don't even want to talk about them. We'll talk about the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Penguins in town, by the way. On they Tuesday. are. Yeah. So uh, this guy should tune in on Tuesday. Yeah, That's going to be a good show. Um, and yeah, God, what a rant. He must have woken up on the wrong side of, I don't know. I, don't, I, I was going to say I something. Don't even want there. to speculate. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it can be about movies, entertainment. Let's have some fun on the show, despite our frustrations with the local hockey team. Could we freak out even more? I know you, I, I said you calm down, but could, I, could I we would, do the exact opposite? Sure, if you want. Okay. I would like to hear some opinions about Pedersen and what you're thinking mm. about it. That might um, be tough. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get opinions about Pedersen in the inbox, bro. Yeah, it's pretty docile with that player. Yeah. Yeah, a lot People of middle, can go either way. A lot of middle of the road takes on Elias Pettersson. Does a lot of do do do? How many of you right now are still super confident in PD and super uh, desperate that the Canucks get this guy resigned? I would love to hear from some of you on that. Um, you're listening to the Hoffman and Brock Show on Sportsnet 650. Pittsburgh is stuck 